Great. Uh, this morning I'm going to talk about uh, one of the great psalms of the Bible, if not the greatest psalm, it's certainly one of the most popular psalms. It is often uh, the psalm that's read out at funerals, probably more than any others, and yet it's actually not a psalm about death, it's a psalm about life. This is a psalm for living. And so, but I do have this very cute video, I've shown it before, so forgive me, but it's worth watching again, this little girl trying to say Psalm 23. So, our amazing audio-visual people. and say surely (laughs) surely surely goodness and mercy will follow me the days of my life the lord is my shepherd i have all that i need he leads me uh, to rest beside still waters he restores my soul he guides me along the paths right paths bringing me honor to his name bring honor to his name and even though i walk through the darkest valley i will not be afraid for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Tremendous psalm, isn't it? Great psalm. Next slide. Thank you. So Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. So part of the role of this shepherd is to so uh, influence, so navigate, so guide the sheep that they get to a place where they lie down. Now, if you're a shepherd, and some of you would know that I did spend a season of my life actually as a livestock agent, uh, as a shepherd, moving sheep around, thousands and thousands of sheep. Um, They were mad, crazy, dumb creatures. We also had to move around cows, and sometimes they'd send out, we used to call them Norwesters. So these are cows that have never seen human beings before. And they just get rounded up by helicopters and four-wheel drives, put on trucks, sent down to Perth, and young boys like me had to get in and to put a identification mark around their tail, tail tagging. In Spain, they pay the manadors millions of dollars for that. Us, they just say, hope you don't get hurt. <laughs> hope you're quick. <laughs> uh, so looking after the cows, 
Uh, we also look after goats. They're interesting because no fence holds in a goat. So that's just uh, an exercise in stupidity, trying to herd goats. Uh, just horror, absolute horror. They go everywhere. Um, and also herding pigs. Now, they're different because I never had trouble getting a seat on the bus after I'd been to pig day. It's just some reason no one ever wanted to sit next to me, you know. <laughs> but this shepherd makes us to lie down because the default position of herding animals is that they don't lie down. They're on the move. They're on their feet. Very rarely do you see a sheep on its belly without its feet because a number of things need to be in play before a sheep will be able to lie down. Next slide. Thank you. Okay, number of things that happen. In order for sheep to be, uh, to be able to lie down, it requires a number of things not happening. One is there needs to be no flies. So one of the uh, horrors for beasts, of course, uh, particularly uh, sheep as well, but it affects all herding, stock, whatever, is the horror of flies, particularly uh, horse flies or those March flies. Have you ever been stung by a March fly here in Australia? You know, the big ones, the ones that... They hurt, don't they? They really do. So we see our horses occasionally, you know, they are panicking, running at a full gallop through our paddocks, through our fences, through sprinklers and all the rest, because there's a fly buzzing around their head and they don't want to get bitten. My wife is one of the kindest, gentlest people that you'll ever meet. But I remember one day... We were at a staff picnic, one of those rare occasions when we went out. It was Christmas time. We thought, you know, save church funds. We'll just go out to um, Herdsman's. Um, it's one of the dams up here, one of the nice dams, and we're having a barbecue. And there's one of the other staff members sitting there, and one of these big flies comes down and lands on one of the staff members. And my wife just goes, Bang! <laughs> And this staff member didn't see the fly, <laughs> just had to take it on faith that my wife is a nice girl and she doesn't normally beat people. Don't beat me, master. <laughs> she says there was a fly. I believe her. I, I believe her. So flies are a real issue to the, the sheep. And if it's buzzing around their heads, and of course uh, in Australia particularly, because we, we do flies really well in Australia, Australian bushflies, they can actually get round to the back end and they can lay their eggs and actually kill the sheep. Uh, one of the most terrible ways you'll ever see an animal die is when they've been blowstruck. A terrible thing and uh, it's a horrible way to die. And we've had to put down animals many times in that uh, when I was a livestock agent where they're still alive, but inside them there's this mess of maggots just slowly eating up the body. I mean, it's it's really, I couldn't imagine a worst way to die. So sheep will not relax, will not lie down if there are flies. And of course, right through the narrative of the Bible, the devil, one of his many names or descriptions is that he is the Lord of the flies. Uh, the word probably is literally a play on word, is the Lord of the filth. In fact, we could probably use a stronger word in English, but it's not a nice word. He is the Lord of 
Dudu. He's the Lord of manure. He's the Lord of flies because flies like manure. And I want to tell you, my brother and my sister today, can I tell you the truth? You just want me to preach to you. You want me to teach you truth? Seriously? If you've got something buzzing around your head, if there's flies in your life, flies, are, of course, are a natural, uh, have a natural description of actually what we would call a demonic influence. He's the Lord of the flies. It doesn't mean literal flies. It also means he's the Lord of demons. If you're constantly harassed, if there's that constant buzzing, the constant slapping, that craziness around your head, the problem will be is that there is something in your life that's attracting the flies. Can I tell you the truth? If you don't want to be harassed by the flies, if you don't want to be harassed by the demons, if you don't want to have those problems with the rats, You've got to clear out the rubbish. How do you get rid of the rats in your life? Clear out the rubbish. How do you get rid of the flies in your life? Clear out the that thing. It's a real key if you want to have peace. Who wants to have peace? Who would like to be able to lie down? One of the biggest issues today in the modern world is so many people are now struggling to get a good night's sleep. Yeah? And they're, they're drinking themselves to go to sleep, taking tablets to go to sleep. So many people. Because when they lie down, they're not at peace. And all the turmoil just continues and continues. So in order for us to actually be able to lie down in green pastures, we need to deal with the flies. Amen? Amen. Also, we also need food. If you're hungry, you will not be able to have a good night's sleep. Babies wake up crying for a feed, don't they? Clinton and Joy will be finding that out about 3 a.m. tonight, this morning, won't they? They'll be looking for that food. And so we are meant to also, in order to have the peace of God in our heart, to be able to lie down, we have to be able to feed, but feed on the right stuff. You can feed on junk food, you can feed on the world, you can feed on Netflix, you can sideswipe right and be feed on all sorts of stuff, but it won't feed the soul. And that means that we've got to come back to the truth that Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word proceeding from his mouth. If you want a bit rest, you have to be in your Bible, reading your Bible, and letting word come off the page and into your heart. Go learn how to eat God's word. It's more than just a mental ascent. You've got to let that word come in in order for you to be fed. To hunger and thirst after righteousness is another key. Now, another thing, of course, sheep won't be able to lie down if they're frightened, if they're fearful, if there's wolves running around, if there's any sense of concern, fear will also prevent that rest coming in so you can lie down at peace. And so much that's one of the big strategies of the enemy. I tell you, if you turn on the news right now, you'd be pretty alarmed about the world, wouldn't you? I mean, there's not too much good news. Stabbings, war, famine, uh, flu, I mean, it just, it never stops. We couldn't, it had been a place where we'd be constantly at fear. And the opposite of fear, of course, is faith. I can lie down 
in green pastures if God is with me. If he is my shepherd, then I need not be in fear. And the final thing that will prevent sheep from lying down is friction. Friction with other sheep. You know, if you've got a few stubborn rams, got a few old ewes, got some head button going on, the sheep will still not be able to lie down. So much of our peace can be robbed because of friction, because of fire, flies, because of fear, and because of lack of the proper food. But Jesus, the good shepherd, actually wants to bring us little bar lamps, turn to your neighbor and go, bah, it's so bad we're having lamb for dinner. I, I just figured that was a bad clash of the menu there. But we're all little sheepies here. God doesn't want us to be... God wants us to have green pasture, still waters. He wants us good things for us. But we also have to do our bit, not to be in fear, not to be in friction, to get rid of the flies. And that's not going shoe fly. It's getting rid of the garbage, the stuff. You're not going to have peace, you know, if porn is in the background of your life. No matter how much you pray, no matter how much you fast, that's, that's a place where flies can come. You hear what I'm saying? Flies can come. If you've got something in your life. The key is not to shoo away the flies. The key is to get rid of the that stuff. Yes. That smelly stuff. Next slide. Thank you. Thank you very much. Still waters. I took this photo. I like it. And uh, it was one of those magic mornings where the water was so still that when you were there, you almost couldn't physically see the difference between the reality and the reflection. And uh, when we are at peace, the waters in our life become still. They become reflective. They become calm. You know, some of us are going through some real storms. Some of us are, are just going because of weather change. It's not always in our control. But God's plan is that we come to that place where the water can be still. Be still, Psalm 48 verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. You know, you, you can do all sorts of other things. You can be angry. You can be cross. You can get out your Facebook and go hash, 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 tag, tag, slash, backslash, whatever. <laughs> but to be still. And to know that he's God. Bring that stillness. To be at rest. Incredible, incredible key is to let the peace of God, uh, Philippians, rule in your heart. Rule in your heart. And some of you just need to, I'm going to give you a really simple little practical thing to do. Some of you need to say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Ask that question. Listen, amen, listen, and then say this to yourself, God, with your help, I will do what you've asked me to do, and then walk around for two or three days and just monitor what you're feeling like on the inside. And this is what will happen. If it's God, and if you've sincerely said, God, with your help, because sometimes we can't do it, but with your help, I will do it, and you have peace over the next few days, you know what? You're hearing from God. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. But if you say, oh, look, I'm going to do this. You know, God wants me to do this. And God, if it's you, uh, I'll do it. And you walk around the next few days, you know, it's just, there's agitation. There's no sense of comfort about that. 
then you're not hearing from God. It's so simple to do, but it really works. Still waters. I wish all of you much fine weather and much still water. The calm, but sometimes we're going to be in a boat and there's going to be a storm and we're going to have to wake Jesus up and say, Lord, do you care that we perish? We're going to awaken him and he'll speak to the storm and say, peace, be still. And still waters come. Next slide. Thank you. So fear, let's uh, perfect love cast out all fear. Flies, throw out the rubbish, throw out the manure. Food, take up your Bibles. There's many an app these days. You can even get a scripture sent to you every day. It's so easy today to get the good stuff. It's so easy too to get the bad stuff and the stuff that distracts. And friction. Let's maintain, work incredibly hard to live in harmony with the people around us. Because otherwise, we'll be robbing ourselves of peace. Next slide. Thank you. Psalm 23. Fantastic psalm. And as some of you uh, have heard me teach before, the structure in Hebrew is not linear. It's not a beginning point followed by point, point, point that has a conclusion at the end. It is a hierarchical. It's an arc-type approach to logic where the first point mirrors the second point. The second point mirrors, it mirrors the, third, the, the fourth point over here. And then the key idea is actually the center point. So not like Greek thinking or what you're taught in schools, your key idea in Greek thinking is the last point of your essay. It's your last paragraph. In Hebrew, it's actually the center point. It's a lot more beautifully put together. It has this parallelism going in. So what it means is, next slide is this, of course, the keystone, Jesus is actually called the keystone, the capstone, Psalm 118, verse 22. It becomes the locking stone. The arch was the biggest thing in the ancient world to create any physical building. And often buildings to hold God's glory, the Colosseum, aqueduct, etc., came about and it's held together by the final stone. And when it's put in place, then gravity holds it together. It's quite a brilliant idea when you think about it. The more weight you put on it, the stronger it becomes. Amazing. Uh, and Jesus is, of course, the cornerstone that the builders rejected. Next slide. So when you look at Psalm 23, we find a mirroring going on here between the, the passages. So verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. That mirrors and reflects the final verse. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Can you see how they are roughly equivalent ideas? No one can see that. Put up your hand if you can see it. Put up your hand if you can't see it. Put up your hand. You're not going to put up your hand. (laughs) Thank you, John. Okay. Well, they do. So... Effectively, when God is my shepherd, I shall not be want, is the same as uh, goodness and love following me all the days of my life and dwelling in the place of God's presence. They are equivalent ideas, just expressed with different words. The second one is, he makes me to lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. Is mirrored by you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. So he restores my soul is the equivalent of my cup overflows. 
He leads me besides quiet waters is the same as you anoint my head with oil. But we've gone from water to oil. And he makes me lie down in green pastures. He takes me to a banqueting table. Now, who likes grass? All the drug addicts put up your hands. My daughter yesterday offered me a bag of marijuana saying, do you know anybody who needs this? God bless her. She's given it up. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Either that was just grass clippings anyway. Grass. Sheep love grass, but who likes a good smorgasbord? Who likes a really nice meal? I was blessed to be in Malaysia last week to uh, attend uh, the graduation service of Millennial International University. I'm a part of the adjunct faculty, and so we're dreaming how to uh, transport e-learning to uh, the rest of the world, particularly the developing world, where uh, you've got uh, incredible growth going on, but not the same access to Bible colleges, and certainly not the ability to pay money. Uh, an Australian degree in theology is going to cost you twenty, twenty-five thousand dollars. Yeah, it's a lot of money. And of course, in the, in the developing world, they can't afford this. So I was there for that. And uh, but on the Saturday night, they took me to the KL Tower, three hundred and fifty meters above uh, above the ground. It was a long way down. Don't like heights, and it was a revolting restaurant. And it was a revolving restaurant. And the meal was the, the, the owner of that. He's a billionaire. He actually bought us dinner. So could you imagine what the food was like? I mean, it was like, you're going to have this and you're going to have that. And you know, this pumpkin suit came out and it just wasn't a lovely pumpkin suit. It was sort of like in a bowl cut out like a Jack Lantern with a candle underneath it. So, you know, you can imagine the atmosphere, you know, sparkling lights and, you know, that was a durian pancake. I mean, you've got to have some of this, but grass is all right. But who prefers a really good lamb roast? Oh, sorry. <laughs> but can you see this then? Still a progression. One's talking about feeding. And the other one's talking about feeding. One's talking about provision of nourishment. The other one's talking. So they reflect each other. Then the next one, he guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that is equivalent to your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So there's a sense that, yes, I'm going to go through hard places, but God's with you. And then the central idea is this, this one here. I will fear no evil. For God is with me. God is with me. That's the key. And here's, here's the, here's the hashtag for today. Here's the gold scene. God wants to take you through the valley to the other side. He doesn't take you into the valley for you to drown, for you to get lost, for you to get destroyed. He wants to take you through the valley. And the comfort you get in that valley is you have God with you. You have God with you. And God cannot fail. God's not weak. God's not confused. God's not uh, lost. God is with you. You cannot fail 
Because the one who said, I will never lead you, in Hebrews chapter 13, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, no, not ever, not ever will I relax my hold, relinquish my grip upon your life. Yes, surely I am with you. That's the promise, guys. And so part of this brave, tenacious, victorious Christian life is the ability to say, yea, though. You know, yea, I go through the valley. Yea, divorce. Yea, separation. Yea, trouble. Yea, cancer. Yea, 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 yea. Yes, we acknowledge bad stuff comes. Bad days come. Amen? Yea, but you are with me. Whatever comes my way doesn't matter because I can say I will fear no evil because, God, you are with me. And so here's this wonderful transformation. It's a psalm of David. David began life as a shepherd boy. He ends up as king. He actually ends up as the son, the the anointed king's son, ruling in the house of God. Ruling in the uh, palace, ruling over the nation of Israel. That is how he finishes up. So David is actually describing his own journey beautifully. In a few short verses, he starts off as a nobody, as the least of the least, as a boy shepherd out in the bush, sitting under a tree, picking on his guitar, and he ends up as the king over all of Israel and probably in many ways, their greatest king. And he's telling you, he's telling me, how do you get from being a sheep to being a son? How do you get from being a weak little bar lamb? Who runs from a bar lamb? No one runs from a lamb. But who runs from the warrior king? God wants us to grow, guys. You know, it's, it gives me such a thrill as a pastor when I see people grow. I mean, you look at Simon and Esther, you know, just seeing how they've come together and allowed God to restore their lives. We have a world-class voice leading us in worship today. Isn't that awesome? When I look at people in growth, I'm saying, thank you, Jesus. What worries me for those that have been coming to church for year after year after year, and there's no growth. It's okay to start off as a little bar lamb. They're cute. Mate, really nice little things under the griller. Little pork choppy. I love lamb. I do. I do. I love lamb, particularly for mint sauce. (laughs) It's okay to begin as a lamb, isn't it? But God actually has a destiny for you to grow up and to become a ruler, to seat you in heavenly places alongside Christ Jesus so that when he says, my kingdom come, my will be done, you're a part of what he's doing on the planet. And, you know, God's doing some exciting things on the planet. Just if you haven't worked out, you're going to get a bit more. But in a few weeks' time, the Australian Prayer Network is coming to Armadale to pray for the city. You know, this group numbers probably over two or 300 people over the nation. It's going to have about 40 people actually come to Armadale. They normally go to Canberra. You know, I understand going to Canberra. You're going to be praying for the nation. But they believe that God is going to do something significant in Armadale. Come on. Come on. 
Do I have any believers here? Hallelujah. He believes they believe. Now, we haven't told them that. (laughs) They have independently from all around Australia come to an understanding that God is about to do something in Armadale. We had to ask them, do you mean New South Wales Armadale or West Australia Armadale? I mean, do do you know Armadale? God's up to stuff. God's up to stuff. Uh, the final slide, thank you. Well, I think we've got two to go. So God wants to take you from the little cute thing, go, ah, little cute thing. He wants to make you the other fellow here, the warrior king. Yeah. We are to go through the valleys. Yea, whatever my diseases. Yea, whatever my finances. Yea, we don't deny reality. We acknowledge reality. But reality in God's not finality because our God is a good shepherd and he takes us through the other side. And he made us a promise. He's going to be with us the whole way. Every step. Every step. Next slide. Thank you. John 10.10 we know very well, don't we? For the thief comes to kill, maim and destroy. But I have come that you may have life to abundance. But we often separate out. Jesus said that what man has put, or what God's put together, let not man separate in the context of marriage. But I think the principle's good. Because the verse just before John 10.10, 10, abundant living, thief kills, Jesus gives life. The verse before that is, I am the door. I am the door. And you've got to come through me. And you can come through me and you can get the abundant life. Or you can climb over the wall and do it your own way and get your own disaster. But you can be free to choose your choice, but you're not free to choose your consequences. You didn't hear me. didn't hear me. You're free to make your choice, but you're not free to choose your consequences. You know, if I jump into a pool of water, am I free to choose to come out dry? So if I, uh, I had an assistant pastor many years ago, a female assistant pastor. I was a, an early adopter, great lady, and uh, she was travelling uh, in an aeroplane to do some ministry in Sydney at the time. And uh, as she's sitting next to someone, this is before you had all the the TV and the entertainment stuff. So I used to talk a little bit more on planes. The man next to her said. Uh, oh, how are you? How are you? And they did exchange pleasantries and says, oh, what do you do? And of course, for pastors, this is the barbecue stopper. It just changes the conversation. The moment you say, I am a minister of religion or a pastor, whatever, the conversation changes. And it's like, you know, all of a sudden, well, I believe in God, but you know, you get all these justifications, you know, and says, no, look, I'm just a pastor, you know. <laughs> I don't know if there's a worse one. It might be saying, you know, I'm a banker. You know, that could be worse. Well, my loan, my loan. Or I'm a doctor. You know, everybody wants a free consult. So he says, I'm a pastor. And he said, oh, dear, I'm sorry for you. And and she said, why? He says, well, you're not allowed to smoke. He says, yeah, I'm I'm free to smoke. He says, what? 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 I'm free to smoke. So, well, you, you can't drink. He says, yeah, 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 I'm, I'm actually, I'm absolutely free to drink. He says, well, you're not free to cheat. He says, yeah, I'm free to cheat. 
See, you're not free to sleep around. He says, yeah, I'm actually free to sleep around. And this guy says, <laughs> and then she says, but what's important to know is I choose not to do any of that stuff. See, grace, if properly understood, is not God forgiving you when you do wrong. Ultimately, it's the power not to do that which is wrong. That's grace. Grace to change. Grace to be transformed. This is the core of the gospel. God loves you enough to save you, and he loves you enough not to leave you the way he found you. He wants to make you more like Jesus, to be conformed to his estimate. And the last slide, thank you. So I will fear no evil because you are with me. Whatever you face, wherever you go, whatever you encounter, you need to know that the promise is God will never leave you. He will never desert you in your maddest, baddest, darkest place. If you'll stop and listen, you will hear his voice. You will sense the tug of his rod, the catch of his uh, staff. And even then, in the valley of the shadow, in order for there to be a shadow, there's also a light. Take your eyes off the shadow and turn them to the light. So, Father, we thank you. You are a good shepherd. And, Lord, we are so pleased that we can say today, the Lord, you, Lord, are our shepherd. And, Lord, we shall not be in need, we shall not be in want, because we know that you are taking us. Lord, even if now we look at the ground around us, there are no green shoots, there's no water, and, Lord, we're hungry. Lord, we know if we put our eyes upon the shepherd, if we listen to his voice, that, Lord, you will lead us to where we need to go. And we thank you for that in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Now, apparently about 6.17 a.m. this morning, we celebrated the 50th year of something really very special. Do you know what it was? The man who landed on the moon when Neil Armstrong stood out and uh, of the, the eagle has landed. And he took that first step out and he said a small step for, he actually misquoted, the script was meant to say, a small step for a man and a giant leap forward for mankind. He actually messed it up. So, hey, the whole world's only looking at you. So, so what? So a small step for man. The giant leap for mankind, and today you can download it from NASA, from any website. There's that footprint on the moon of a man. I love it because when you look at that, all the other soil around it is what you call chaos. It's just dust that through the chaotic principles of the universe have settled in a certain way. But in that dust, because there's very little wind, you can still see that footprint on the moon today. It's a sign. It's an incredible sign that something happened 50 years ago. Can I tell you, as Lloyd so eloquently said today, that something happened 2,000 years ago. The very fact you're in this building today is a sign that something happened. Something of tremendous historical significance. And so I just want to say to you, please start off with the end in mind. Who gets in your car without planning where to go? I do. Uh, it used to annoy the family terrible because I used to like, let's just go somewhere. 
And they say, oh, we want to know where we go. Who goes to the aeroplane not knowing where to go? You know, do you really enjoy a mystery flight? Do you really want to end up with a weekend and meet a thorough? You know, <laughs> we should begin with the end in mind, shouldn't we? Yes. Do you go to school not knowing that you're going to get a diploma at the end or whatever you, whatever we do, we should begin with the end in mind. And so life is a journey. Yes. Why don't you think about the end? Because I've got some bad news for you. You're going to die. Hopefully not today. But we're all, none of us get out alive. And here's the great testimony of all religions, of all religions. But this isn't the end. There's something beyond the end. And there's only one person who's actually been to the other side of death and has come back to tell us that there's life and how to get it. And his name was Jesus. There's only one person who's ever come back from the other side of the grave to tell us how to live forever in a place called heaven. So here's the big, big question that we all will face. wonder if you could imagine yourself now on your deathbed. You've got a few seconds left. It's not pleasant. It's very uncomfortable. What are you going to decide? You've got 10 breaths left. What are you going to say? One. What are you going to decide? What are you going to decide? Where are you going to go? Well, here's the promise. Here's a promise. You've got to believe the promise. The promise is to everyone who receives him, they will become sons of God. To whoever's born again will live forever. If you believe that I am the resurrection and the life, then even though you die, you shall live forever. And you get to choose it. Actually, you don't have to wait to that last minute. Because I can't guarantee you, if you're going to have your mind then, you're going to be conscious then. I can't guarantee you're not on a morphine pump and you're a bit la la. I can't guarantee. But what I can do is I can guarantee this moment for you right now. Uh, Deuteronomy says this, God's saying to the people, hey, if you choose bad things, bad things will happen. If you choose good things, good good things would happen. But now make up your mind. Choose life. <laughs> choose death. But choose something. Choose life. Choose death. God wants you to choose. He wants you to choose life. But he will not force you. But it's your choice. You are free to choose. You are free to say to God, God, I don't want you. Thank you very much. I'll do it my own way. You're free to do that. But you're not free to change the consequences of that. And you're also free to say, God, I will choose you. By your help, I'll live for you. Just bow your heads where you are right now. Is there anyone here today say, Pastor, I would really like to actually choose life today. I want you to be my good shepherd. I want that peace you were talking about. I want to be able to not be bothered with the flies and the friction and the fear and all those issues that keep me from being at rest. I would confess today that I'm a person deeply at unrest and I need supernatural peace in a relationship with the Good Shepherd. If that's you here today, 
I want you to do something so brave. Nobody's looking around. This is a private moment. We're not going to invite you at the front and put you on display. This is between you and God. We, we respect your privacy. We respect your ability to make the choice. You can say no. But we've done much of today so that you would hear the good news and say yes. If that's you today, can you slip up your hand and say, Pastor, when you pray, include that with me. Include me in that prayer. If that's you this morning, then just lift up that hand. Put it up. I'll see it. And you can put it down really quickly. Is there someone here today? Say, Pastor, that's me. Father, we thank you. God bless you. I see that hand at the back. You may put down your hand. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. This lady's placed her hand up. Is there someone else here today? Raise their hand. Okay, let's all stand. Thank you, Lord. Let's stand together. We're going to say a prayer together. We're going to help this uh, lady. So can you repeat with me? Dear Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm sorry for my mistakes that I've messed up my life. I've messed up the life of others. And I've messed up my relationship with you. But Lord, I thank you that you've brought me this wonderful news. That if I say yes to you, that you will come and live in my life. I can do a reset in you today and become a brand new child of God. And my name will be written in heaven's book. And I choose that today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a praise. Thank you, Lord. Amen. 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 God bless you. Let's have our our team up and we're going to sing, I believe. Oh, actually, I've gone long. I need my clock fixed. So we will release you. And I'm a good pastor. No, okay. All right. You are fully released in the name of Jesus. If you would like prayer, though, love you to come out front. We'll have a group of people here to pray. There is lamb. So it might be a good initiative not to be a lamb, but to become a son, a child of God. God bless you.